Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. We really don't have any instruction uh, in God's holy word with regard to conducting a, a worship service. Except for the fact that it says that we are to conduct things decently and in order. I guess the rest is left up to us by the Spirit of God. Amen. So, what we want to do is to look to God's holy word first for a particular reason. And that is to get the mind of the Spirit to understand what He is saying to us as individuals and also as a collective body of Christ here upon this earth so that we can follow His instruction and do what He would have us to do. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather be in the will of God than any other place. I said, I'd rather be in the will of God than in any other place in my life. Because, you see, in the will of God, the perfect will of God, there are blessings untold. When, when the person and a person or a body of believers align themselves with what God, His will is for their lives, then they are in a position to reap the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. They put themselves or place themselves in that position where they can reap the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. The Bible talks about the good, the perfect acceptable and the perfect will of God. The good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. And our minds are to be renewed so that we can prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I guess it's good to be in the good will of God. I guess it's acceptable to be in the acceptable will of God. But you know what? It's perfect to be in the perfect will of God. And that's where all things work well. Amen. So you see, that's what our aim is. It's what our goal should be. God our Father is, He is perfecting that which concerns us. He is moving us into an area of perfection or maturity. And when people walk in that perfect will, that mature will of God, they reap the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. Very often we'll say, well, it seems like, you know, people are not experiencing God's best in their lives. And that's true. In a lot of cases, that ends up happening in people's lives. It's not automatic. The things of God are not automatic. How many of you know that? I'm going to say it again. The things of God are not automatic. No, but they are divinely appropriated as people press in as an act of their will into the things of God. They submit themselves unto Him. They yield their bodies unto Him as spiritual sacrifices. They yield their faculty members unto Him to be renewed in the mind so that they can, from their heart, spirit, prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for their lives. And so that's the area of ministry that we're entering into. And I need everybody's undivided attention this morning because we want to touch some things, reiterate some things, and then go and press further into some other things that constitute the Father's direction for our lives by His Spirit. So look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For those who have purity of heart, who are pure in their heart, motives, attitudes, and desires, they will see God. They'll see Him. They'll perceive Him. They'll watch Him as He demonstrates His loving kindness and tender mercies within their midst. They will have reality with Him any way you want to say it. They will be a people who will see God move in great mighty manifestation and demonstration of His loving kindness, tender mercies, and of His power. And so that's our desire. To be what God wants us to be. So that we can allow Him to be what He wants to be in and through our lives. Our Father, we give You thanks for Your holy written Word. We approach it with great reverence and humility. We give unto You our undivided attention that you may instruct and teach us by the power of your Spirit, guiding us into all that which is truth, 
that we may have a knowledge of the truth that would make us free. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the word in demonstration of your spirit and power that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of a living God and the resurrected Christ. We thank you and bless you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We've stated that God is moving by His Spirit. His desire is to show Himself strong. He wants to bring healing to the land of the Christian, including the Christian heart, the individual, the marital relationship, the Christian family. He desires to bring restoration to the church, the body of Christ, where people come together collectively as we are this morning, so that He can initiate change and once again to bring transformation for the body of Christ over a period of years degenerated into a house of programs, social activity, entertainment, and religious form. And we've been saying that God is moving by His Spirit so that change can occur and take place. It's not just a message that we are to hear once and say, well, I've heard that, it was a good message, and let's go on. No, it is a message that provides for us information and inspiration and leaves it up to us as to whether or not we're going to enter in to the realm of perception and application. We must perceive what God is saying. We must perceive what He wants done. And then we must begin to apply ourselves so that by the wisdom of God, the application of our perception of this knowledge, we can achieve within our midst the Father's desired plan and purpose. That's where we come in. That's where we must apply ourselves to what He is saying. We must have ears to hear, eyes and minds to be open to understand, and hearts that are perceptive, eager to perceive and to receive what He is saying unto us. He wants us to experience change. He is, And I'm not just talking about us. I'm talking about the body of Christ, the entirety of the body of Christ upon the face of the earth. He wants change to take place. He wants us to be changed into a house of purity where people have pure hearts, prayer, where they're interested in vital contact and communion with Himself. Power. Where God's glory and God's power, His anointing is manifested in a tangible way. And perfected praise. Where hearts are mature in voicing themselves in praise and glory and honor unto a mighty God, a glorious God, a God who is worthy to be praised. Just to enlarge on that just for a moment, so for, for such a long time, people have come to church and they've been expected, or they've expected to be entertained by those who are involved in music ministry. They want to be soothed or entertained. We have groups that would come in and, and sing and, and provide music and really entertainment. And God looks down upon the circle of the earth and He said, that's not the primary purpose of a music ministry. It is not the reason that I gave people talents and abilities in the natural to sing well, to play instruments of music well. No. He is saying that I have designed that all things bring honor and glory to me. I have designed that all things bring pleasure unto me. And it's His desire that these instruments of music, it's His desire that these voices of praise would not entertain men, but would bring forth praise unto God and magnify Him and glorify Him and worship Him in spirit and in truth. Not just a place where people can come to have social activity, but the primary activity that takes place within that realm of assembly is spiritual activity. Where the interest is in spiritual things, primarily. It's the paramount issue. 
getting involved in spiritual matters and in spiritual things because the body of Christ is a spiritual body. The church of Christ is a spiritual church. It is not mechanical. It is not legalistic. It's not ritualistic. It is to be spiritual. Where people are entering into and pressing into the realm of the Spirit, experiencing vital contact and communion with God. And God, the living God, is actually living powerfully and mightily among those people. In such a tangible way that when outsiders come in, they actually sense and see and perceive themselves that they are in the presence of the Almighty God. It reminds me when the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant and placed the Ark of the Covenant along with all the other false gods and objects of idol worship. And in that place, nothing could stand up against the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the glory and the power of the living God. And the gods of the Philistines fell and bowed to the presence of the Almighty and the living God. And people of God, it should be that way right here, where we enter into a realm with God. When we walk through those doors, that we enter into that realm of the Spirit that God our Father is in such manifestation, in such demonstration, that we have reverence and awe to even be in this place of worship because of His glorious presence and power. We are aware of the fact that He is in manifest presence. We are aware of the fact that He is here in a mighty way. We're in awe of it. We experience godly reverential fear. We're not here to be entertained. We're not here to socialize at this time. We're not here to have a program to put on. But we are here to accomplish and achieve the purpose of the Father's will. And how many of you know that we do not have the strength, the ability, or the power to save one person? We cannot recreate a human spirit in our own strength, can we? We do not have the ability to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost and have them speak with other tongues. We do not have the ability to heal the physical body through divine means. We do not have the ability or the power in ourselves or the strength to cause a person's mental faculties to properly align. So they can be delivered from oppressive spirits and depression and obsession and all those things that war against the mind. We don't have that ability. But you know what? When we gather ourselves together, maintaining a proper focus, focusing our attention upon Him, exalting Him, blessing Him, worshiping Him, glorifying Him, then He manifests Himself in a glorious and a powerful way within our lives, inwardly, and then through our lives, externally He begins to flow out from us. And the power of His presence that is created is sufficient and able to save a person who's in the worst condition. It's able to bring deliverance to a person's mind that's been corrupted. It is able to heal a physical body no matter what the malady. He is able to manifest Himself in a tangible way to cause results to occur and to take place in this realm in which we live because we allow Him to flow through us. This is what church is all about. This is why we are here. It allows Him to move in a powerful way to reveal to the person who is even in a, in a position of darkness the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Beloved, it is serious business that we are engaged in. God is moving in a powerful, in a glorious way to bring family units back together. To drive out the demon spirits that would destroy marital relationships. He is moving in a powerful way to do all these things. And He says, I want to have free reign. I want to have free access to do what my will is upon the earth. 
That's why Jesus said, pray, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We want the will of the Father to be done. You want to know how to pray, people? Pray that you're establishing kingdom principles and pray that God is moving to, in a mighty way to establish His will as being done upon the earth in the lives of human beings like you and like me. You know, if God ever had His way, it'd be a great place to live in. Did you know that? I said if God ever had His will and His way, this world would be a great place to live in. Because I read in a book, I found out in God's holy word, that when that will is finally achieved upon the earth, it'll be a great place to live in. There'll be no sorrow, there'll be no pain, there'll be no turmoil, there'll be no war, no fighting, no anxiety, no sickness, no disease. All that, all those former things, no death, it's all gone, all passed away, no sin. All those things are gone and wiped out. And we'll be living in a place, a beautiful place in Him. Well, there's no need of the sun or the moon or the stars. The warmth comes from the very presence of the Father Himself. People of God, this is not something in the far off future. He's saying you can have it now. Enter into the spiritual realm, into the sunlight of my love, and you can experience these things in your life right now. This is the earnest of our inheritance. And you know what? We should have... Ardent zeal and tenacity of faith to enter into that realm with Him and violently take what belongs to us by force. Amen? It's ours. It's ours. But it's not automatic. We have to desire it. Turn with me, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. He wants His glory and power to be in manifestation in a tangible way to accomplish the purpose of His will. And that will occur when people have pure hearts, hearts whose attitudes, desires, and motives are proper and properly aligned with His. Where people are consistent in prayer. Where His power is in manifestation. Where perfected praise exists. In this scripture, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we see what's going to cause it to happen. In verse 18, it says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. He wants His glorious power to be in manifestation. Well, how is it going to occur? We have to look into the perfect law of liberty. We need to see the glory of the Lord revealed. And then we must expect, notice that word changed. Changed. It's not talking about at the time of regeneration because when we're born again, we are changed and transformed in spirit. We are recreated. But the Bible also talks about the process of mind renewal and change, transformation, where people are changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. As an act of our will, we must align ourselves with what God is doing by His Spirit through the Word. And when we do that, we look into the glory of the Lord as it's revealed through the Holy Scripture. And as we say, I yield my body to you. I yield my faculty members unto you, Father God. Change me. Then transformation begins to take place. And change occurs. And that's simply what it means. Change just simply means this by definition. To undergo transformation. To undergo transformation. And as we look into the, the, the glory of the Lord, then we undergo transformation. And we are changed. Changed into what? Into the same image. What image? Jesus came as the express image of the Father Himself. He came to reveal the glory and the power of God the Father Himself. And as we take a look, a steadfast look, into the glory of the Lord that's been revealed unto us, then by the power of the mighty Holy Spirit of God, because we humble ourselves before Him, because we yield our bodies and faculty members unto Him, His Spirit initiates that change, that transformation within our lives so that we are changed by degree from glory unto glory, even as by the Spirit of our God. That is His ministry. His ministry upon the earth, that is the Spirit of God's ministry, is to do the work of the Father, in the life of the believer, 
and to fulfill the Father's plan as it was carried out by Jesus when He came to this earth. He is to take the work of redemption. He is to cause it to be a reality within the life of the individual child of God. He is to take that same work and bring a collective body of people together. And as they together look into the glory of the Lord, He is to change that assembly of people to reflect the very glory and the image of the Father Himself. And within that place, when people focus their attention upon Him and allow that change to take place, then the Father's glory is revealed in the earth. And you remember He said, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, my glory will be revealed upon this earth. And beloved, that scripture is being fulfilled upon the earth right now in all of our lives, where people will yield themselves unto Him and give themselves unto Him and allow change to take place within their lives and ministries and in their family units and in their church bodies. The glory of the Lord is being revealed in a more glorious way than ever before upon this earth. How can you state that? Jesus is coming back for a glorious church without spot and without wrinkle. And the day in which we live right now, we're closer to that day of His return than ever before. And that is the the move of the Spirit right now. And I strongly believe to usher in the soon coming return of our Lord. You say they've said that for ages. Well, you know what? The Bible states it. We are closer to it now than ever before. And if Jesus tarries the next generation, they're going to say it again, and they're going to be closer than what we are. And each generation will continue to say it until the Lord does come. When the father looks over and taps the son upon the shoulder and says, go on and bring my family back home. This is a process. We're involved in it. I'm enjoying it, are you? Hallelujah. But that's what he's talking about, change. And in order to experience change, write it down. You need to have two things, an established heart and a fixed position within our minds. Set our minds in a fixed position. We need to establish our heart and we need to set our minds in a fixed position. Well, I'm stating that way right now. If you could quickly do it, turn to John's Gospel, chapter 4. John's Gospel, chapter 4. It involves the heart, it involves the mind. And when the heart and the mind align themselves, come together in agreement, the body then will follow along. When the spirit and the soul come into agreement, then the body will follow. Very important truth. A carnal Christian is one whose body through the unrenewed mind, is holding the spirit in bondage. But a spiritual Christian is one whose spirit through the renewed mind is allowing the life and nature of God to be expressed through the body. And that's the simplest definition I can give for spirituality and carnality. But it's true. Now, God's objective with regard to the change that He is initiating by His Spirit is to take us into a place as a corporate collective body where the moment we walk through those doors, and of course I realize it will start before we walk through those doors, but specifically when we walk through those doors, the moment we walk through those doors and enter into this particular sanctuary, from the very beginning under the very end of our public ministry, God the Father is glorified in all that is done and the Spirit of God has the liberty to move in absolute control of what is happening to carry out the Father's plan in the lives of people. And I want you to write these down real quick and then I'll expound on them. First of all, He wants, number one, our reverence. Secondly, number two, he wants our undivided attention. Thirdly, number three, he wants our participation. And fourthly, number four, finally, he wants our cooperation. From the moment we walk through those doors, 
and enter into this place where we assemble ourselves together to do public worship and service unto an almighty God. He wants our reverence. He wants our undivided attention. He wants our participation. He wants our cooperation. Now, change is not always easy. You understand that. If you ask your child to change, if people ask you to change, if your employer asks you to change, change, undergoing change is not always an easy assignment, is it? We get set in our ways, we get set in our particular patterns, and we don't like to change. How many of you know that your mind doesn't like change either? The mind wants to do its own thing. The mind wants to be in control. How many of you know that? It's true. It wants to be an ascendancy over the life. That's a fact. That's, a de- that's where the battleground is. It's in the mind. The battle between spirituality and carnality is in the mind. And unless as believers we learn to cast down thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, bring into captivity every thought. How many thoughts? Every thought unto the obedience of Christ The unrenewed mind, the senses, the the, the body through the unrenewed mind will hold us in carnality and prevent us from entering into spirituality. And when that happens, what we replace spirituality with is this. Entertainment, social activity, religious form. Do you see that? And that has happened over the years. And when that takes place, people of God, it is difficult to get people out of that place. Because spirits are involved. Religious spirits are involved. And they hold people in that state of being or that condition of being in religious form. Wanting to be entertained. Wanting to socialize. Not to participate in spiritual matters. Well, when we talk about initiating change... A lot of people get rubbed the wrong way because they don't want to give themselves over unto that. They don't want to yield themselves into that. But people of God, it's not my responsibility up here to preach in such a manner that I tickle every person's ears. It is my responsibility and duty to preach the mind of God, the Word of God, instructed by the Spirit of God, so that not my will is done, so that not the will of the board of this church is done, And not even the will of the people of this church is done, but the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of the Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, is done every time we assemble ourselves together for public ministry. And that's what our desire should be. If you're involved in school teaching and you get inside that classroom, you want to be in that place that you begin to reveal things that you know are going to benefit the lives of those young people. Although it might require their reverence. They must respect you. And write that down. Number one is is reverence. God wants our reverence and He wants us to show Him devoted honor or respect when we walk through those doors in public assembly. And if you're that school teacher and, and you have children there that you are teaching, the first thing you want is their respect. You want them to respect your position. If they don't, they're going to just, just, just make havoc out of the whole thing. And you, you need to establish your, your, your position and your authority in that classroom so that they realize and recognize that you mean business. Well, God wants to do the same thing. It's not that I mean business, people of God. It's that He means business. I'm only speaking for Him. And He's saying, I want my people to come together in this place of public worship, and I want their reverence. I want them to honor me. I want them to respect me, for I'm worthy of it. Now, people of God, listen to this. He is the creator of all mankind. He's the creator of you and me, all the universe and every, all the worlds and everything that in them is. He is the creator of it all. We've all been created for His pleasure, for His glory, for His honor. I believe He is worthy of our respect. He is worthy of our honor. He is worthy for us to reverence. When we come into this place of public worship, we should have reverence, godly reverential fear of God and for God, and we should reverence Him because He is worthy of it. Don't you agree? When we can enter into the presence of of people who are in high positions of authority and we respect them, 
and we conduct ourselves in a certain manner in their presence, wouldn't you agree with me that God Almighty is far more worthy of our reverence and respect and honor than anybody else is? There is a time that we need to set ourselves apart to demonstrate in an active, vital way reverence, respect, and honor unto a living God. Wouldn't you agree to that? Number two is our undivided attention, where we give Him our undivided attention. That means in spirit and in soul and in body. We enter that place with Him. We give Him where we give Him our due, His due respect. We honor Him. We reverence Him, and we give Him our undivided attention. How long? At least from the beginning of that time of ministry under the end of that time of ministry. See, change requires discipline. And just like in that classroom, we as a teacher, we would like to have the children to give us their respect and undivided attention, at least while we are teaching them certain truths that we know will benefit their lives. And we know that if we have their respect and if we have their attention, that they will be benefited by what we have to share with them. If not, they're not going to get a whole lot out of our class, are they? Well, God is saying, I want your respect. I want you to reverence me. I want you to honor me. And I want you to give me your undivided attention. And beloved, we said that involves discipline and primarily involves a disciplined, well-disciplined mind. For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of what? That sound mind means, more literally, a well-disciplined mind. In other words, yes, there's a time to play. In other words, yes, there's a time to socialize. In other words, yes, there's a time to do this and a time to do that. But also, beloved, there is a time where the people of God must enter into that realm with God, demonstrating a well-disciplined mind, a mind that is disciplined to give undivided attention to an almighty God. There's that time, there's that place that we say, mine, you will be set on God. The Bible says in Colossians, we are to set our minds upon Him, where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. We are to be caught up in that realm where we set our minds upon the things He wants accomplished and the things He wants done. Is that under, do you see that here? Among us, within this, this framework of time that we give Him. If we start at 9.30, let's say, we come together, we know that we're entering into a realm in the Spirit where we want God to do certain things. Well, if we want that to happen, then it's our responsibility to do what? To reverence Him, to give Him our undivided attention, and also to give Him our participation. We are to participate. There are three kinds of individuals in the realm of Christianity Number one, being the spectator. Number two, being the umpire. Number three, being the participant. So we have those who will come just to spectate. And all I'm doing is speaking out is by the Spirit of God. If that has been a part of our lives, then we need to be open to change. If we've only come to spectate, then you see something is wrong. I think of spectating when I go to a ball game and I'm not a participant, I'd like to be a participant. I mean, I spectated at, some, at, at the boys' soccer games and there were times I just wanted to run in there and kick the ball. Do you know that? Well, you see, I couldn't do that. I didn't fit in their uniforms. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been on a sideline when your child's on that court playing basketball? You just want to get out there or your child's on that field playing football. And boy, you just like to get right in in the thick of things. Make that tackle, throw that ball. You want to get involved. You're out there. You may be a spectator. You can't get involved. It's not like that in church. People of God, we can come together in church and we can all be participants. We can participate in what is happening. Then there are those who have come to be umpires. And they want to call the shots, so to speak, and sit back in criticism and criticize everything that takes place that they do not like. Things that they feel shouldn't be happening. That shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be this, shouldn't do that. Well, I believe that if the spectator and the umpire would see themselves as being participants, they would get so caught up in the preparation of being a participant 
that they wouldn't have time to sit back and just spectate and to call the certain shots of criticism. I strongly believe that. You say, well, what does a participator do? You know what someone does who is a participant in any kind of athletic event? You know what that person does? He prepares. And he gets caught up in what his responsibility and duty is to help that team be successful. If it's an individual sport such as track and field, he is caught up first and foremost in his own exercise of his own physical body to put forth all the effort and the energy into what he needs to do to put himself in top physical condition to see to it that when he runs that race, he runs it to the best and the utmost of his potential and ability. He is well prepared. He is also caught up in this other area that I really want to talk about and just, just state it as best I possibly can in as much love as I can. That if you're a participator, you're involved in any kind of athletic event, it is your responsibility and duty to be there when the whistle blows or the gun sounds. Can you imagine being in a track and field event and the gun's about to go off and you're still running through, uh, trying to get to where you need to be in a set position to be on a starting block? That doesn't happen. If you are the one who's the participator, you are there. You are there not only on time, you are there before time because you're warming up. When I played football under the lights... The first thing you do is you get out there on that field and you begin to warm up before you ever get actively involved in that football game. And you often wonder, well, what are they out there doing all that stuff for? Let them save their energy. No, you're warming yourself up. You're stretching your muscles out. The adrenaline begins to flow. I always used to notice I could kick further. I could, I could throw further. I could run a little bit quicker when I was out there under those lights. Seemed like the adrenaline just began to flow, lift you up to a higher place. And you begin to perform a whole lot better. But you'd be out there in advance. You'd be out there early and you'd be warming up because you know that when the referee blows that whistle, you better be back there waiting for the kickoff because they're not going to let just let the ball fly back there with nobody being back. They don't care who's there. They're ready to go. And they blow the whistle. A participator is someone, a participant is someone who makes proper preparation. As someone who exercises himself in warming up for what's about to take place. And people of God, I, be- I strongly believe that God is saying He wants us to come prepared. Well, now you say, well, I come from work and it's difficult. I understand that and I want to address that. Listen. You can prepare yourself spiritually by just establishing your heart at the moment. And setting your mind in a fixed position at the moment. If the only time you have to prepare yourself is from the time you get out of that car and start walking across the parking lot, you know what? You can do it. It's only when people think, well, I'm going to go in there and see what so-and-so is wearing. I'm going to go and see what so-and-so is doing. You know, and let's see who we can greet and et cetera, et cetera. People of God, what God is saying, when we walk through those doors, He wants a change to take place. It's like you're walking through a veil. Like you're walking right into the presence of God. And you're concerned at this point, especially if the service has begun. And please let me address this. I realize that there are reasons why people are late for church. I realize that. Uh, I'm not going to make any excuses. I don't believe we can make excuses. I realize people punch in the time card. They're on time when they go to work. Is that true? I said, is that true? Okay. But my point is this, if God's going to begin, God's going to begin. And when we enter into that realm with Him and we begin, then there must be absolute reverence and respect and honor given God. And should it be that we have a valid reason, okay, and there are valid reasons why people, you know, are late and that sort of thing. I mean, you know, people can have all kinds of valid reasons. You say, well, I left a ha- half an hour early, but the, but the tire went on my car. You know, so you had to change it. Whatever. There are many valid reasons, but, but listen. The point is this. When people begin to enter into that realm with God by walking through those doors, God has begun to move. At that point, we want and should have ex- expressed reverence for God's manifest presence. 
And no matter what the reason is, the moment we walk through those doors, we then begin to reverence Him. We then begin to give Him our undivided attention. We then begin to participate in what is happening. If it has begun, it's not time to shake hands with somebody. If it has begun, it's not time to greet somebody. Do you see that? It's not time just to, to begin to fellowship with somebody. If that occurs, if that does happen, there have been many times, people of God, and, and please listen carefully, where we've begun a service and God began to move by His Spirit. But the entirety of the flow of what God was doing was grieved because of much irreverence that was taking place at the very beginning. We've gotten ourselves, and I just not say here, but people have gotten themselves in general in the whole body of Christ into, in Pentecostal circles in particular, into the habit of thinking that the first part of a service is preliminary. Preliminary things are, are taking place. But you know what? There isn't anything like that when we come together to, 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 to glorify God. See, when we enter into this realm with Him, I believe that we should, as mature people, recognize that we should give Him more intensity, more reverence, more respect, more honor than I would at a ball game where I get myself deeply involved in what is happening. And have you ever watched, did anybody ever watch that second game of the Celtics? And supposedly they call it a miracle finish. There are those in sporting events who will just sit glued to that thing and, and, they, and give their undivided attention to what is happening and to what is going on, seeing every detail. And those people usually become the best player because once it all takes place, they tell you exactly how it should have been and what should have happened, that should have done and what did happen and all that. Well, why do they know all that? Because as an act of their will, at a moment's notice, at a particular given period of time, they entered in to what was happening. They gave their undivided attention. They focused in. And they almost became a participant out there on that court. They were involved with what was happening. Well, beloved, do we believe that God is worthy of more of that from us than an athletic event? Than whatever it is that you get yourself involved in, whether you're if it's cooking that you like, if it's sewing that you like, if it's art that you like, whatever it is, I believe that God is saying, open up the eyes of your understanding and begin to realize what is happening when you assemble yourselves together. And realize that it's not a preliminary thing that we're entering into. There's a time that God begins to move. There were times where we had to change. And I'll be quite frank about it. There were times we could not achieve what I know God wanted to achieve because we did not have the, the participation of the people of God. Their minds were not set yet. See, when do we get to the point that we realize my heart must be established and my mind must be set? It's not a matter than just of time. It's a matter of when will I begin to set my heart and my mind in a fixed position so that I begin to participate in what God is doing. See, and it's true whether you start a service at 10 o'clock, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, 11, 30. It's not the time or the hour. It is the attitude of the heart and the perception of the person. Of the people. I would not dream or think of coming to this platform, to this pulpit, without first being in prayer at least an hour in advance, praying with other tongues, seeking God's face. And that's minimum, I mean, time. Because I realize that I don't have the ability within myself to achieve the purpose of God. That what God needs to accomplish, what God needs to be done, can and will only be done by the power of His might. And so therefore, I just give myself to Him, I yield myself to Him, and just like I would have been exercising out on that football field, practicing kicking that football, or throwing the pass, or catching the ball, or getting the handoff from the quarterback, I'm in there doing spiritual exercises so that I know that when I get out there, I am well prepared for what God wants to achieve and wants, wants to do through my life. And that's how every praiser should be. That's how every musician should be. That's how everyone who comes should be. We should enter into that place, that realm, where we give Him our undivided attention and cooperation and absolute reverence and honor so that we can yield and allow Him to take over the whole thing. 
And people of God, I believe that where God is moving in great power and might, there's no boredom. I'm telling you, I believe that unless people are absolutely asleep in the spirit and have no perception whatsoever. No, there comes a time that people, we must grow up spiritually and say, God is moving. God needs me to move more powerfully. I will give myself to Him. I will exercise myself. See, we could make this preparation even from the ride home from work to the church. It's a matter of perception. It's a matter of understanding. It's a matter of application. That this is the reason why we're going to enter into that public worship service. It is not to socialize. It is not to be entertained. It's not to be engaged in religious form. It is not for social activity, but it's for the purpose of allowing God, the Almighty God, the living God, the mighty God, the God who has made all things, who is more than enough, to manifest Himself in such a tangible way that if somebody, your neighbor, your sister, your brother, somebody down the street comes into this place and has need of healing, deliverance, salvation, whatever it is, they come into vital communion and contact with the living God and God does what they need done in their lives. That's why we're here. See, and this is the message that He wants us to understand and to perceive. And in this scripture, John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, read together. Is where we understand our, our cooperation. To cooperate means to work together. It means to work together for mutual benefit. It means to work together for mutual benefit. Well, how does it benefit God when we work together with Him? Well, in the first place, when we talk about true worship in spirit and in truth, it benefits God. It brings pleasure to Him. It gives pleasure to Him. And He seeks true worshipers in spirit and truth. Look at the scripture. 4.23 But the hour cometh and now is, Jesus speaking, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Why? Because God is a spirit. Man then, who is made in the likeness and in the image of God, must of necessity also be a spirit. So if God is a spirit, then, then those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit, because spirit contacts spirit. We cannot contact God with our bodies. We cannot contact God with our minds, with our intellect. God can only be reached or contacted in the spiritual realm. And so unless the people of God come together to worship Him in spirit then we will not make vital contact or communion or union with God in worship and praise. Now, let me, let, let, let me have your attention here again. Have you noticed that when, once again, we begin our services, that we'll have, some will be singing songs, a lot of people will be talking, a lot of people will be doing this or be doing that or writing notes and, and everything else. Any teachers out there ever catch your kids writing notes in class? Or chewing gum? See, the same thing, same thing is true. We can, we can, we, we want certain things, we want, ex, we expect certain things from the students. Well, you know what? Adults are students of Christ. Disciples means a student, doesn't it? <clears throat> Isn't that what it is? Isn't that who we are? Students. And we need to be taught and instructed. And God is saying, I want my people to worship me in spirit. Spirit contacts spirit. Spirit and in truth. Now listen. Unless we contact God in spirit, you know what our worship and praise is? Nothing but the religious, ritualistic singing of songs. That's all it is. I'm going to say it again. Unless worship and praise is an expression of the heart, All it is, is a religious, ritualistic singing of songs, a type of religious form that produces nothing but a little bit of emotion. And God is saying, I want my people. This is why we're not worshiping at the beginning of the service. Because we need to be instructed first and taught. 
God is saying, I want my people to enter into the realm of the Spirit. And to enter into that realm, beloved, requires a disciplined mind. See, He wants His people to worship Him from their hearts, in their spirit. And He wants them to make vital contact and communion with Him in spirit. And when that occurs, when that takes place, that is defined as true worship, worshiping in spirit, worshiping in truth. And that enables Him in that vital contact and communion to manifest Himself in our midst. But once again, because we've got into this religious pattern and understand people of God, we're not talking about just people here. We're talking about, in general, what has happened in the lives of the Christian of today, especially in the charismatic movement, where we've got so much liberty. You know, I'm free. I'm footloose. I'm fancy free. And thank God for that. But you can't go beyond that realm of freedom and just say, well, I don't owe God due respect or honor. Do you understand that? We're not to use our freedom uh, beyond its boundaries. It doesn't mean that we don't have to show due honor and respect unto a living God. It doesn't mean that. But that's been an attitude that's developed among, among the people of God. And people have entered into a realm of irreverence. Let's put it this way. If you entered into the realm where you're going to be in God's presence in the old covenant, like the high priest did, and you went through that veil to enter into the presence of God, and you did it improperly, then you fell over dead right there. And God's presence wasn't that... Man- I mean, God's presence was realized there, but the people, they couldn't go in there to get him out. So they had to pull him out. They had a, a rope tied to his ankle. And they would pull him out because he died right there and no one else can go in there. God's presence is so holy, it's so powerful, it's so mighty. You mean it causes death? No, it's not that God's presence causes death. It's that He is such a holy God. When people begin to enter into that realm with Him, if they do not go in there with the right heart attitude and motive and proper in a proper way, then because of that presence, no man shall be in that presence and see the glory and the power of God and live. It's so powerful. And see, some of that has been lost in, in the days in which we live. That it's just okay, we're just going to sing some songs. Well, you know, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Hallelujah, let us rejoice and let us be glad in it. And it becomes a mechanical type of singing of songs that is ritualistic, that produces nothing but empty emotionalism. And God is saying, that is not it. It is my desire to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. Well, Lord, how do we change all this? Sometimes it takes us a half an hour, you know, here or elsewhere, just to enter, just to be, just to get people organized to say it's time to begin. Well, the solution to all that was teach my people, show them, share with them. People of God, listen. The reason we're not worshiping at the beginning is because I believe we've lost understanding and perception of the true ministry of worship and praise. I believe that, that in general, the people of God must come back to a place where they recognize the true value and the importance of ministry, of worship and praise unto an almighty God. That we are not here to entertain. We are not here to sing songs. We are not here to be ritualistic. But we are here to give our hearts unto God, our spirit man to ascend unto God, to release true gratitude, expressions of thanksgiving, which then is interpreted as being true worship and praise unto God that is so alive, that is so real, that is so sincere from the heart of the child of God that God begins to flow. He begins to inhabit the praise of His people. And He begins to honor those people with His divine presence with the manifest we know we talk about saving power healing power delivering power filling power all those things are only the results of his presence being in manifestation in a tangible way and so you see when people understand that and perceive that and know the value of the of the ministry of worship and praise then they enter into it establishing their hearts and 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 fixing the position of their minds then people of God from the word go 
When we walk through, no matter what door, that door, that door, that door, no matter what time, even if we are late for whatever reason, it's not a matter that I'm late. It's a matter that when I'm late, am I then at that point entering into with a prepared heart, with, with undivided attention, respecting God, honoring God, reverencing God, that God is moving. God is moving powerfully. God is moving mightily. And I'm entering into that realm where I must respect that and reverence that. And also, I must participate and cooperate. What do you mean cooperate? Cooperate. People of God, cooperate means we are co-laboring together with Him. We are working together with Him as a team cooperates with one another. The quarterback goes back to throw the ball, and he doesn't throw it. Why doesn't he throw it? Because the tight end didn't go out. Because the split end didn't go out for the pass. Just stand there. What does he do? He eats it. He takes the loss. There was no cooperation. Do you see this? God needs all these things. We are a team, people of God. We are the team that God is using to accomplish His will. And He needs our total involvement, every single one of us. When it comes time that God moves by His Spirit, we must cooperate with Him in a positive way. There will be times when He'll speak by His Spirit and say, this is what you are to do. All right? Do such and such and such and such, and I will be unto you the glory and lifter of your head. People will absolutely ignore that. And you know what they'll do? After the service is all over, they'll say, I'd like you to pray. And may I speak honestly? Do you know what that does? That shows more respect, more honor, more reverence for a man than it does for God. Can I answer your prayer? Can I heal your body? No. But God is moving by His Spirit and He's saying, this is what you are to do. See, that is where we must cooperate. And I know there'll be times that, you know, that, that I'll say that, as by the Spirit of God, that this is the time you are to come. But yet many will not cooperate. And this is not, once again, to bring guilt or condemnation. This is to bring instructional teaching. That... We all need people to cooperate with us if we're going to achieve something. God needs the same thing. People must cooperate with Him if His will is going to be achieved among us. And you know what? That will might be your deliverance in your mind. It might be the healing of that body. It might be the salvation of your loved one. Whatever the case may be. But He needs our cooperation. And I want just very quickly. Could we go through this very quickly before we uh, do this? Worship and praise is much more than a ritualistic singing of songs. It is the spirit of the worshiper coming into vital contact and communion with, with, with the Father, who is the one who is being worshipped. And it involves three different levels or aspects of vital contact and communion. Three different levels. Write them down. Three different levels of vital contact and communion. Number one, the vertical aspect. Number two, the horizontal aspect. And number three, the inward aspect. Number one, the vertical. So here's cooperation here right now. You know, we need to be taking notes. We need to be putting either things, if you, if you can get it in your heart, that's, that's great. However you can get it, but we've got to get it. We've got to cooperate with God. The vertical aspect, the horizontal aspect, and the inward aspect. We have to have the insight. We have to have the teaching so we can have the perception of what we're doing. That we're not just coming here just to sing some songs or trying to do something different. No, there are three different aspects of a true worshiper worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Okay, number one being the vertical. And that is the aspect in which the heart, the spirit of the individual makes vital contact and communion with the Father God and begins to communicate with Him. First, of course, in worship and praise. You're ministering unto the Father. You're saying, I bring pleasure to you. I bless you. I magnify you. I worship you. I you shut out the people around you. You, I, as the individual, I enter into that realm, the vertical aspect of this purpose of worship and praise. And I begin to magnify you. I begin to glorify you. I begin to worship you. I lift my voice to you. I lift my hands unto you. I magnify your holy name. I am now participating. I am giving of myself. But you know what? In the beginning of that, you may be doing it from here. 
But as you continue, and I thank God for a new tongue, because as you continue to bless Him, to praise Him, to glorify, to magnify, to, to worship Him, to voice yourself, to lift up holy hands, all of a sudden, a transformation begins to take place. Your spirit man gets involved. It then gains the ascendancy. And you know what has happened? Your spirit is active. Not just a singing of song, not a mental acknowledgement of His presence, but it is an actual expression of the heart in gratitude and thanksgiving. And before you know it, as you start to pray with other tongues or sing with other tongues or to bless in other tongues, you actually be, enter into a realm of the Spirit where your spirit is in vital contact and communion with Him and something is happening. You're lifted to a higher plane of spiritual awareness. When that happens throughout the entirety of the body, God's presence is realized among us in a tangible way. He is manifesting Himself now in glory and in power. An atmosphere is created for Him to move, in which to move and demonstrate His, His power, to demonstrate His love, His mercy, His loving kindness and all that. He is now in this place, in, in the atmosphere is created for the gifts of the Spirit to be in manifestation and for His glory to be revealed. That is a result of true heartfelt worship and praise. Not mechanical singing of songs, not ritualistic singing of songs. That is a direct result of heartfelt worship and praise vertically uh, from the person's spirit unto God Himself. Now, like I said, you can just lift a hand like this and just go like that there, and it means nothing more than that. You can just start singing that song that everybody else is singing, and it means nothing more than just that. I'm singing a song. We don't contact God with our bodies. We don't contact God with our, our intellect. But people of God, it is when the Spirit comes into vital contact and communion with Him because of preparation, because of perception, because of we know what we're doing, we know where we're at, we know what atmosphere we're in, then that Spirit man is released in true worship and praise and God's presence is realized and manifested among us. We have now opened up a channel of communications and God can begin to move and communicate with his people. Secondly, the horizontal. In that realm, the horizontal realm, we create an atmosphere in which the people of God come together in unity and in harmony and in love. People are touched. People are changed by that atmosphere. Their attitudes towards one another change. Acts chapter 4 is the perfect illustration of it. Without musical instruments of praise or even no musical instruments to praise with, they began to lift their voice to God with one accord and began to worship God, the creator of all mankind. And in that process, they created an atmosphere in which God began to move. And there was such power that the earth began to quake where they were assembled together. But the next, in the next breath, we see that, that God told us by His Spirit in Acts chapter 4 that the people were of one heart, they are of one mind, they are of one accord. They said, nothing belongs to us. We love one another. We share with one another. It had a, a horizontal effect upon the lives of the people that were in that, in that particular gathering. And so you see, there is an effect that it has upon us horizontally with one another. That person maybe you had a problem with. All of a sudden you look over in the midst of all that and you see them through compassionate eyes of love. And you have a different attitude toward that person. And you might want to go and just say, well, you know what? I want to make something right with you. This is God moving, producing a spirit of giving, sharing, love, unity among the people of God because we've entered into that realm with Him. And thirdly, we need to get through it, is the inward effect. The inward effect is the level that, it, that affects the person individually. You've entered into that realm with God. He is moving. The atmosphere is created. It's right there. We love one another. In that atmosphere, God can move and will move. But now there is that level where we are affected personally by the presence of God that's in manifestation. And let's illustrate that. There you are out there in that service. And you came. And maybe you didn't give much thought to the fact that you had this pain in your ear. You knew that it was there. But you weren't really doing anything about it spiritually. But all of a sudden, you gave yourself over to this ministry of worship and praise of the Father. You find yourself in this atmosphere where it's building and God is moving in a powerful and a mighty way. And all of a sudden, you realize there's that ache or that pain in your ear. And you recognize, wait a minute. 
I don't need to have this. Wait a minute. God has provided a way out. God has provided healing. God has provided deliverance. And all of a sudden, personally, you are affected by what is taking place right there in that service. Faith begins to boil up inside your heart. It rises up to the occasion and you begin to proclaim the truth of God's word with regard to your own physical well-being. And you take a hold of what belongs to you by faith. And all of a sudden, instantaneously, the pain is gone and your ears delivered. You're instantly healed and made whole. Personally, the inward aspect of it, that changes take place within the heart. Things happen in this atmosphere that we create. And things affect us individually. And we can go on and name everything. If you need deliverance, if you need this, you need that. Why do you think right at that time is the best time to pray for people? Because in that atmosphere, God is moving. In that atmosphere, there is a personal, vital contact with Him and communion with Him. And things transpire and take place. So, people of God, what we're saying this morning is this. We're letting God be God here. We're going to cooperate with God in this place. And you know what? We serve a living God who wants to show Himself strong, mighty, and alive within our midst. And we are going to enter in. And I believe... I believe, my desire, I believe that people will want that same kind of reality with Him. They don't want religious form, they want reality. Do you want reality with God? Then I'm going to ask our praisers to come forward at this particular time. Our praisers to come forward at this particular time. I'm going to also ask for, for reverence. If there's anyone who deserves our reverence, our respect, to be honored, I believe it's our Almighty Father God, don't you? Do you believe that, people of God? And I really believe that this is a time that it needs to be truly expressed and also attended to. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.